Welcome to Property and Investing with Grant and Charlie, the place where we give you access to all the strategies, tools, and tactics to become a successful property investor. Charlie, I'm curious, have you ever had any unexpected challenges? Grant, I've had so many unexpected challenges. Do you know what would be really unexpected though? Please tell me you're going to tie in the newsletter. Please. What would be unexpected? If everyone signed up for the newsletter. Oh, smokes. If you do want to give Charlie something unexpected, head over to propertyandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter, put in your name and email, and we'll notify you every single time we release one of these episodes. Now, Charlie, let's cue your soon-to-be infamous disclaimer. It's Charlie here from Property and Investing, and I need to let you know that Grant and I and the Property Investing team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you financial advice. We strongly encourage you to seek out and use professionals when comparing investment products or making investment decisions. All right, Grant. Today's episode, I am looking forward to. It's going to be a bit of a doozy, I think. Now, have you ever started something with an idea what it would be like only to find out it's not like that at all? It, it was like that with my car when I opened the bonnet when I was like in my 20s. <laughs> I could totally improve this thing. Started tinkering with stuff and I'm like, Fast and Furious in the back of my head. I'm like, I got this, I got this. And I'm like, eh, now I can't use my car for a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so no charlie i've never had this i can give you two i got as well right so kids <laughs> right so bianca's pregnant i'm like imagining life as a father it was nothing like that and that was just, uh, just pure and Amazing. then the second one was business like i thought i would know what it was like to be a business owner and i built a vision for it which is obviously why you sign up for these things totally. this is the interesting part you sign up for these things because you think it's going to be like something they look so good on paper Look at the outcomes. They run towards it. What do you mean people have challenges along the way? So this is our hit list. The <laughs> unexpected challenges of being a property investor. Because I'm going to tell you right now, it is not like I thought it would be at all. I'm curious. Once you wrote this list out, did you look back and say, yeah, if I knew this list, I'd still get into it? Or did you go, damn, if only I knew? That's a really good question. I would actually still get into it. Ah. Because you might say, what are the unexpected challenges? But I would have to look at this and say, I've had a lot of unexpected upside. So for myself personally, like I had set the expectation or the idea that I would be able to get, uh, I was looking for 5% returns compounded. Mm -hmm. So I was like, cool, if I can get into property with leverage and do 5% return every year, or on average, I should say, it's not going to be every year, well, then things are going to be great. But then- when I was in the zone, it's like the first year I was in property, we did 25%. Just a little bit above expectations. Yeah, so you do get unexpected rewards from this as well. Just like going back to the earlier comments, there's definitely unexpected rewards of parenting. Like there's things you enjoy you just didn't think you were going to enjoy. Yeah, my car, there was nothing there. That was just pure. You don't strike me as the best mechanic. <laughs> these, these, these pillow hands are designed for keyboards. That's all I got. <laughs> I'll put it out there. If there was something wrong with my computer, I would happily drop it off at your place and I would be very confident it would come back better. If there was something wrong with my car. Don't, don't bring it to me. No. Nah. <laughs> don't bring it to me. Hey, like a try. And I was, I was looking at the outcome. I'm like, man, I'm going to be that guy that just like twists that nut. That's perfect. Anyway, yes. I can actually see you right now. You've w- watched Fast and the Furious. You're probably trying to put a spoiler on some car that didn't need it. I might have wiped my hand on something greasy and just wiped it on my shirt so people knew that I did something. Like I wanted to be all in the moment. 
What about yourself though, Grant? I mean, your list is well, like we've got a list to run through here. It's not tiny. Like it's there's a fair amount of items on, you know, on this list. Has if you knew what you knew now, would you still become a property investor? Totally. I think the for me personally, and this was super quick and immediate response, is because the the goal at the end still outweighs any of sort of the little speed bumps. And I always always use like the analogy of like going from Melbourne to Sydney on a drive. And like hitting the speed humps and like you never remember them in like a year's time or 10 years time or anything. So I'm like, look at these things. I'm like, yeah, they're challenges and super annoying and they might go for a month or two or whatever, a week. I'm like, but in the grand scheme of things, trust me, when you get to Sydney, set up opera house, you'd be a very happy man. Has there been more challenges than you expected? It was definitely, it was like, felt like a gravel road <laughs> majority of the way. But I'm like, it was going, no, oh, no, because I still think it's worth the trip. Like getting there and looking back and going, we did that. That's awesome. And the things that it unlocks on the other side, wholeheartedly believe it. Awesome. Let's get into our hit list then. Let's do it. Are you going first or am I going first? I want to let you go first on this and cover your first point because I think this is one of the – I think it's relevant for both of us and I suspect this is something that challenges a lot of people and if they knew this prior to getting more heavily into property or knew that it would be an ongoing thing, it might actually help them. Totally. It was actually, so this was actually one of the things which almost led me not doing anything with property, which was actually getting the partner on board. So I could just paint this picture for you, Charlie. So here I am doing all this research, talking to all these people around property investing, like what's the best type of investing, like how do I go about it, et cetera, and reading books, listening to podcasts. And so I've built up like this war chest of knowledge, I'll call it, to the point that I'm like, Convinced. I'm like, this is the thing that we need to do in order to get to where we want to go. To which then in my mind, I'm like, surely my wife's read and consumed everything that I've read and consumed. And she's the second I present it and say, hey, let's start investing in property. She's going to be like, yeah, let's do this. When in actual fact, the inverse happens, <laughs> which is like, well, what? Why? Wait, did you get resistance? Completely. Or skepticism? Or what did How you get? You? It's like, what, like, what do you know? Why is this? Like, why you have so much conviction that this is the thing that we need to invest in when we're not going to see the the repercussions or the benefits of it for a decade, two decades, three decades? Why is it a better use than putting it in super? Why is it a better use than putting it elsewhere? Like, what what is missing? So it's almost like I have to sell myself and then go and sell someone else <laughs> on, the, on the idea of it. And to the point where it almost got to this, this stage of just going, you know what, it's just not worth the fight. It probably is just better putting it in like a superannuation or something like that and just going, you know what, that's just, if she's happy, I'm happy, we'll continue doing the thing as opposed to me trying to get her convinced because think about the other side. What if I'm wrong? What if I'm sitting there going, hey, babe, let's go and put all of our life savings into property and then property tanks and I'm like, uh, so you know that thing that I said was a really good idea that I've done all this research? It's not. And uh, now we've got to try and repair and so having that level of confidence to the partner that I'm trying to support and trying to build everything up for, are super challenging in regards to not just getting started, but then flowing on to continuing every single property. It's like, is this still going to be the right one? Is this still the right thing, Charlie? It was good a couple of years ago, but is it still the right thing for now? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, cool. All right. So first off, great questions, Hazel. I encourage some skepticism <laughs> and 
Yeah, I, I think the role of a partner, or again, i got to be careful, I don't want to push my beliefs on partners with anything else uh, in this world. You know, you do you in your own relationships, but I actually appreciate pushback in my relationship. Like a, you really don't want someone that's going to agree with you all the time and just blindly follow, although at times it would certainly make life easier. Right? So, <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, but like what a great check. And, I mean, you did get into property, so obviously the new story here is that it was a conversation where you did end up selling her on the idea of property. Totally. But it was. I think it's healthy within a relationship to have that type of bound. And I have the same with Bianca. Now, um, while I didn't meet as much resistance in initially getting started as you with property, um, and I think the reason for that was because we had already bought a house and had other property. and Which had we other, hadn't. Yeah, we had yeah so inherently Bianca and I had a huge amount of bias towards property already, which made that conversation easier. But I will say this, at a point in my life when I was doing share trading, massive resistance, massive skepticism. I continually doubted myself on it because of her. I'm like, well, what is Bianca on this? So the, the point I would make on this that's really fascinating to me is there's a lot of people out there that never get into property investing or any type of investing because their partner's not on board. Totally. And it's like the thing that actually keeps them out of the game. And that, in my mind, is like actually one of the most dangerous things because if you don't invest in anything, like you only got to like not invest for five years and the positional difference you can end up with over a lifetime due to how compounding works is massive. Huge. Like, Grant, like how different would our lives be? And I like to think we, start pretty, we started pretty early. But what if we started five years earlier? Oh, <laughs> I ask myself that every day <laughs> and I'm just like, kick myself. Yeah, so what if you are the person out there right now and you're trying to have these discussions with your partner and it's like it gets hard, it gets confronting, it gets challenging and then you know what, you wait another year. Yep. So that that's really interesting in my mind. But you said something interesting there because this is where I do think it's really fascinating is even once you've got your partner on board with an idea and hopefully you've set a plan and some goals with that, and I know you do but I could see a lot of people probably didn't, and this is where the next danger comes from. There's all these internal discussions about, well, when do you buy the next one? Yeah. What's an appropriate LVR? What type of thing are you going to buy next? Why are we buying another property versus doing super or shares or whatever else is? Why are we buying this quickly? Like maybe we should go slower. Why are we, why are we buying here when we bought there and that went really well? Why don't we just buy there again? <laughs> like That's going to go good as, as well. Uh, this this house is fundamentally different to the previous house. Like, why why are we doing that? And then it's like, and then when you get a property and you go and look at everything around it, oh, this one's going to be better, isn't it? <laughs> and it's like, and you just sit there and you're like, okay, well, this is just every stage of everything. And to that point, like the resistance that I had at the start compared to like now, it's more of a validation check to your to what you were mentioning. It's more like, are you sure? Like, it, we've done well. Are you sure on this one? Okay, cool. Here are my questions. Let's. Yeah, we could be on. degenerates sitting at the poker table yeah. trying to win, win it back. Just one more hand, baby, one more hand. Totally. It's like and the, there's a time to get up. <laughs> and the preface that I will say is like it's not that like my wife's amazing and in in a past life, Charlie, I have invested our cash into some businesses and stuff like that. So she was right to ask a lot of probing questions. Like, yeah, I've lost money on things too, right? <laughs> my track record with cars is not good. Yeah. 
I was not playing from a zero. Like I'm playing from a negative on this one. <laughs> so like it's right. Like crypto so, losses. <coughs> crypto so, losses. So I'm sitting there saying your wife seems <laughs> like she's very methodical, very like, no, I've just I deserve this. <laughs> Can I um, share some things that I found really helpful in this? Go for it. All right, so one of the things I noticed early on is like even in this set, uh, series of ideas, in every big decision in a relationship, ultimately one person leads. Yes. So like in your case, you're the one that's I found property and then you're selling the idea to your partner. And then, you know, in other areas of your life, Hazel probably does the same to you. It might be food, it might be uh, holidays. So yeah. she wants to go to, which I think she does want to go to Japan, and then she'll spend time convincing you why Japan is a good idea. Completely. All right, so in – all of it, we look at relationship dynamics and it's very rare that two people get the same idea at the same time. Might be when they have kids. Another one that's pretty common, like one person normally goes first. I think it's really important to acknowledge that when you are going to bring that conversation up of getting someone else on board to an idea, to take it seriously, like set it up properly. Don't make it a flippant comment and like take someone on the journey you've been on. Yep. So if you've read all these things and seen all these things, having your partner on with that so that they can be as convinced or rebut what they've seen so it can be a joint move, especially when you're playing with such large volumes of money, I think is a really good thing to do. And it's like the second, third order consequences of property investment is like you're wrapping yourself up in a lot of debt for decades to come. Like this is not a, this is not making a bad choice and then being able to get out of it pretty quick. Like this it's is huge. A, it's a, it's a big decision. I'm curious when you not to labor on the point, but I'm I'm curious about how you approach it. Like, did you get Bianca to read some books or look at some videos or things like that, or was it more you just sat down and said, "Hey, let's have a coffee. Just ask me any questions you've got, and if I can't answer, I can't answer, and I'll answer whatever I possibly can, just to make sure that you're comfortable that I've done what I need to do." Yeah, it actually all comes down to a book. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So one book. You ready for it? Debt Millionaire George. by George Antone. Great book. Yeah, so I read that book and it shifted me. Like it actually like fundamentally shifted me. Yeah. And for anyone who's listening to this podcast, if you haven't read that book, I highly recommend it. Yeah. Um, it literally is like the takeover of where Rich Dad, Poor Dad leaves you. This is the next thing you go, right, it picks it up right in that spot. And these other books are fantastic as well. Yeah. Um, but the point being is I read that book and it changed my beliefs. So when we have a belief change, it's like sudden, suddenly something you were doing you realize is now stupid. I'll give a really good example of this. I used to eat these protein bars I thought were healthy and then one day I realized that they're practically like weight gainer bars with tons of shit in them. <laughs> they totally Once I are. realized that though, it's like, well, I can't eat this bar anymore. I know what it is. <laughs> I, re I relate to that story so much. <laughs> uh, muscle milk, by the way, the best protein bar I've ever had. <laughs> Loaded with garbage, absolutely loaded, but delicious. It's amazing. It's a great example. It was yeah. basically like a, a just a side test. It was basically a Snickers bar with protein in it and like weight gainers. And I was like, well, no wonder it tastes good. But it's like obviously not the intent I was looking for from there. Anyway, I think many people can relate where they've had a moment where they've learned some new information and then suddenly something they were doing that they thought was good is no longer good. So for me, I've read this book and I've gone – my way of thinking about investing is now stupid. I'm out. I can't do it. Like yeah. the idea of doing that now works against me. Seems dumb. So I actually asked Bianca to read this book. I shared some of the ideas in the book with her and I said, hey, give this a look. I think it will be worth your time. It's not a long read. She read the book and had the same experience. So I, I got us onto the same page initially 
And that made a huge difference in going forward on it and even like the strategy behind what we're trying to achieve. And I routinely read that book, uh, I think I've read it like four or five times now, just to rebring myself back to that as an alignment so I don't get caught in the news cycle or things of what I'm trying to really do. Um, Second to that, one of the things I actively do ongoingly is we consume probably about once a week we'll sit down together uh, once Jack's asleep and actually like watch something properly related on YouTube. Nice. So we we keep us aligned on the pulse. Now I consume way more property content than Bianca. Um, I enjoy it and you know what we do in business has us consume even more. But when it comes to like even last night we watched a Terry Ryder webinar and we went through and just looked at market dynamics and that makes sure that like we're both up to date. Like we were on the pulse where if we were to have a conversation – there would be enough there where we could make a good decision. Yeah. And then thirdly is we do monthly reporting. So Bianca, very fortunately, my wife is an accountant, bookkeeper, and even for a brief period of time, she was a mortgage broker and financial planner. So I'm very fortunate to have her mind and uh, that on these things. So every month we produce a set of financials, a P&L, a cash flow report, and a balance sheet for our property portfolio where we can realign. Yeah. So um, we're on the same page to talk about next steps and ideas. But I'll go even further, though. That doesn't make it easy. Like there are disagreements at times. There are things we work through at times. It's not something that um, is there. But um, I did not expect, and why this episode is called The Unexpected Challenges, how much of the success we have in property would be dictated on how well me and Bianca would work together. That was, that was one of my findings. Because, oh, my gosh, is a, it's the thing of beauty when you're all aligned and when you both have the same conviction going, this is the thing for us. Every morning's like, great, what are we doing to get into it? What are, like, How are we looking at it? Like It's almost like this team that's just like impossible to break. But I, I concur. That's why on the other side it's so unexpected. What do you do, though? Because like you've been going through, and I'll use the example we've talked about this in a previous episode, you're doing the year of the accumulator. So uh, to paraphrase, hey, risk on. I want to borrow a lot of money while interest rates are going up. You know, hey, like that's a that's a challenging conversation. I'm just going to say, hey, wifey, trust me. So, so this is where the accumulator works really well. So imagine I'm a sales guy, and I'm like, hey, Charlie, want a free sample? And so I've given her these great samples over the last couple of years of properties that have done very well, and now now she's in. So I'm like, hey, <laughs> you want some more of that? Yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. I got this idea. What we're going to do is we're going to accumulate real quick so that we can utilize the debt and uh, inflation and all these things as it's current coming right now. You know how I did it last time? Trust me on this one. And she's like, sure. I got the wins in the bag, stack the deck. <laughs> I'm like, it's always like, well, told you we could have done this. Can I add some things in? <laughs> I feel like you should wake up every morning and just get out of bed and say, baby, there's blood, blood on the streets. Now's our time. <laughs> like... <laughs> You know, like subtle programming of like the Warren Buffett quote. quote. Outrageous. That is disturbing. <laughs> I guess a life in marketing would have me uh, start to think that way. And I know Hazel will probably listen to this and uh, hopefully she can appreciate the jerk. Totally. Um, yeah, and then to that point, so I actually sat her down and I just said, uh, like just ask me any question. And funnily enough, if she had some questions and she had some great questions that I could not answer, like I would go out and would find the answer together and stuff whether it was good news or bad news. Um, and then she's like a visu- very visual learner. So I actually went and bought George Hantone's course and just gave her the course, and I just, which is a, kind of a recreation of the book. And I said, like, just go and do this course. Um, she loved it. She's like, I get it. 
And so it's similar, but slightly different. It was more conversational. All right. So partners, really, really interesting one. Should we move yeah. on to the next item on our list? I'm curious what yours is. Yeah, first one. Go for it. All right. The banks are not as organized or as professional as you may think. <laughs> Organizations that have been around for a century should not be this dysfunctional. <laughs> Again, like I would assume like the banks we deal with are all listed companies. They're big organizations employing the best talent, paying a huge amount of wages. My expectations in property would be that they would be more organized and professional. My finding is it's an absolute shit show. (laughs) I'm laughing because of the pain. I'm reliving on every single purchase, every single refinance on this. This was totally unexpected. It was was like... There should just be like this manual. It's just like this is how it works and then just everyone talks to each other and just system and it's just I'm like I can't believe how barbaric and unorganized it is. Like to the point that have you ever looked at it going, ah, surely this is just like a this situation now and this is going to get better in a couple of years as if it was like just unique at that time? Yeah. So during the what we would call the pandemic period at the start, I was like, cool, I totally get it. Like the whole environment has changed. This is an unusual thing. We'll just bear with it. However, shouldn't be everything all the time, every property, every refinance, all of it. I I love this so much. Have Have you actually had a situation where it hasn't been? It's almost like now you're prepped for how unexpectedly challenging it is. Have you actually had one situation like, that was smooth. That was amazing. There is a bank that exists. There is one person here that can communicate appropriately to me and tell me exactly what I need to sign, when I need to sign it, where I need to be. No, I don't <laughs> feel at all. It's huge fun. gaps in staff training, huge gaps with people handover. And, I mean, I can share some stories here and yeah. I wonder if you can tick this box. Have you at all had a bank come to you and say, hey, we lost some documents, I need you to do this again? Yes. Okay, cool. Have you at all had say say like oh we've had a person change over here and we don't know what we're doing we're gonna to have to start this over? Yes. Interesting. Like, do you not like a little bit concerning? Have you ever had uh, we sent it via internal mail and we've lost it? Can you sign it again? Yeah, completely. Have you ever had? Oh, we uh never never seen a trust before. I'm just going to figure out what I need to do with this. Yeah, the trust one's a big one. Oh, my the, gosh. I would even say the biggest to the point where we've been into a branch to sign documents and had a branch manager say that they can't do it only to be back in front of the same branch manager who then was like, I didn't know I could do it. <laughs> Dude, oh, my, oh, my God. Yeah. It's so painful. I'm reliving so many wounds right now. I just – why do you think it is? I'm curious, your personal opinion, why do you think of – uh, organizations that do this thousands of times a year, thousands. Like this is not a, they just do it once a month and that's the challenge. It's just because it's not repeatable as much. Why do you think this still exists? Is it part of the beauty of making it challenging for people to get debt? Is it? Is it? Is there a reason behind this or is this just not a priority for them to fix? Well, they're still getting paid, right? Have you ever had a, I'll go to the end game of this and go, have you ever actually said no to a bank while in the process of getting a loan done and then gone somewhere else? No. I almost did, but I did not. Well, we'll see how you almost did. Oh, almost, yeah, they had me hook, line, and sinker. 
Yeah, so do you remember like, uh, this has changed since that I will say it has become interesting, but in the area I grew up, you could only get phone reception from Telstra. Yep. So you had to have a plan with Telstra if you wanted to use your phone. What was the incentive for them to make it better? Still paid them every month. Zero, yeah. So they would be, from that point of view, looking at there. So I do think to a large degree, a lot of the banks are aware of the leverage they have and how much you need the finance. You need me more than I need you. Completely. And yeah. when you're looking at a deal, let's say, you know, you go on with a lender because they've got a better product than another lender, or maybe it's the only one you can access. Where's the incentive for it to be great? It's yeah. just not there. Um, to go further than that, there's this interesting thing where it's like some of the bank systems seem to be like still paper-based and then on another system is some are digital and then on another system, some are like a hybrid. So internally, and I think this is probably due to the size of the organization, is them changing internal processes being really difficult. Yeah. So there's just like carnage it between it all. People. Yeah. And then the final one is just recognizing how small the, you know, for example, how many people are getting home loans in trusts every month. Hmm. So if you're going to improve a process, it's probably for um, first home buyers or for people that are just buying their own home, I should say more broadly, because that's where the volume of their work is. So it doesn't make sense to me for them to specialize in investors or trust lending or things like that because it's like, well, that's a very small subset Tiny of comparison. their business anyway. Do you think it'll stay this way? I'm actually really hopeful there'll be big changes here. I think technology has come a long way. And um, please don't confuse what I'm about to say with crypto, but blockchain I think yep. is going to make a significant improvement to a lot of process here. I, I really do. And I would like to believe with what's going on with AI, um, eventually, because the banks have so much information about you, is the idea that if you wanted to get approved for a loan, it could be much quicker than the back and forth we get now. Like I actually can see the day where you would be able to like check your borrowing power on demand. Totally. You get up in the morning, check it from there, that's all good, and then settle a property in the blockchain. So it will get to that point where I would say, I don't want to say it's like buying a coffee, but closer to it is my prediction. I. I'm seeing good signs of it leading towards there, like with them coming out with open banking a couple of years ago um, and then people just building technology on top of it. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing the hopes that like a refinance should be pretty easy. Like they, they're doing it pretty well with credit cards, which is like, hey, sign up with us. We'll pay off your old credit card and you kind of cancel it and then move over. I'm hoping that they get to that point with like a mortgage and stuff like that and then they'll probably start trying to solve like the new newer thing, like new people creating new debt and stuff. I suspect that it's going to be like this for the next five years, though. Like at least maybe ten. Like I, I think that this is due to the compliance, due to the volume of things, like the size of the amount of teams that touch it, and all those kind of things, and the potential fraud, of, which is why they do so much physically. Uh, I think it's going to be a big change, but I just did not expect this when I came into property investing. Like I bought a printer and have gone through two reams of paper, Charlie. Like this is not normal. I moved to Gold Coast at a point and I bought a printer just to buy a house. Like. It was could, crazy. Can I tell one story here? I have do to. It. Do it. All right. So we, we buy a property in Queensland. Never bought a property in Queensland before. Right? And, you know, going through the lending process again, somehow I end up in the living room of an ex-copper who's a justice of the peace to sign some documents to get sent to the bank so that I can get some lending approved in a trust. That's so good. And I'm yep. like, if anything, this feels more risky <laughs> than not. So, like, I don't know this guy. 
Like, I mean, he's – and, Judo, the funniest part of this story, I'm literally in this guy's lounge room, in his house, right, because he didn't live far from me and this is what Justice of the Peace does. They sign documents and, and all that to verify. I'm in there with the ID. He's signing the documents. I'm literally fixing his wife's iPhone. She had a new <laughs> SIM card and couldn't get it set up. <laughs> so I'm, I'm doing that while that's going on and I'm like, I did not expect these are the, like, hurdles. I'm jumping over this random stuff to get it done. Dude, my, I love that. My first one, I went to the actual Justice of the Peace place, like in Collins Street in Melbourne, and to go get a sign. And the guy's like, I can't sign this. I'm like, dude, you're a Justice of the Peace. Like, this is your job. It's like, no, like, there's particular types of Justice of the Peace. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I, I actually called my old university lawyer tutor and said, Do you want me to take you out for sushi? Because I know he loves sushi. I'm like, it's on me. I need you to sign something. <laughs> And so now every time I buy something that I need justice of the peace, he knows he's getting a free sushi meal. <laughs> I love that. But yeah, like, but yeah, just part of the the chaos and the barbarian approach to it. Can I throw one more thing in on the banks that was unexpected? Of course you can. Lending policy changes. <sighs> the letters that you get, the volume of changes. No, no, no. What I mean by that is uh, that is actually unexpected how much mail you get. <laughs> I've swapped it all to digital now, but I was surprised by that as well. Um, I've literally gone to a bank and asked for my borrowing capacity one month and then gone the next. Nothing's changed. They have. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. I at one point went to NAB and did my borrowing power and they said, cool, I have 2.4 million. We literally had it done in the next month and then they're like, no, no for you. So <laughs> we'll like- give you 400 grand. And I was like, so so what's different here? And like, I think we've covered this a little bit with Aaron on our podcast already, but like every month the banks actually change their risk tolerance to lending totally, and it updates. So I was so surprised that they change it that often, but I guess it makes sense, right? But it was just unexpected and that the role of your broker is actually really navigating every month this is going to change, which bank now has the right lending for your situation. Totally. That's, that's a valid point. Uh, I, I concur. I yeah yeah. I don't go to specific banks anymore for that. I'm just like, what roughly what can I borrow? Brokers kicking in. All right, should we kick off to the next one? Let's do it. Getting past our own biases and where we want to live. <laughs> I don't know if I'm still past this. Like. I- Dude, I still have places that we've invested in and I'm like, oh, I can see myself right. living there. <laughs> All right, let's change. I'll change the point then so we can fit this. We are biased and continually rub up against that when <laughs> buying property and need to deal with it. Totally. That's it. That's, it's unexpected. It's me in a nutshell. Yes. Uh, it was not a challenge. It, the way that I thought property investing would be would be similar to like, I don't know, buying shares in like, Apple or Tesla, right? Just as an example, which is Yeah, it's like, easy to get behind it because it's like a total. big company. You see people using the products. It's, but I know I can't change anything. I know like it doesn't like, – they're not going to give me a free iPhone or a free Tesla. Like it's not like the thing that I can do is influence here. But like when looking at properties, I'm like, oh, is that close enough to – maybe I want it close to the water, Charlie. Oh, there's a school there. Am I in the school zone? <laughs> like – Oh, what about these things? You but know what, please, like, let me, I have to tell a funny story. Do it, do it, do it. 
And I'm, I'm looking at a property that's uh, 30 minutes from a CBD, like yeah. major CBD. I'm like, oh, 30 minutes? Like who would want to travel that far? And then I was literally in a house that I own and think is a great investment that was 60 minutes from a CBD. <laughs> you and rational like, human being. This is very flawed. Like I really had to get around the idea people don't just live close to Melbourne and cities, Melbourne and Sydney CBDs. Totally. Which no. I just thought was hilarious. So have you like this is a bias I've come up against. Like, our very, very first house that we bought, aesthetically pleasing one floor, horrific second floor. And I was looking at this thing, I'm like, no one's gonna want to rent this because I don't want to rent this. And I had to overcome it of going, well, Grant, you are not the target market here. Like the people who live there are like other people, not you. Like you're trying to find something that you want to the point that I just had to bite the bullet and just say, no, that's fair and be comfortable in the fact that I actually have zero idea what other people want in that area. (laughs) I'm just going, I have blind trust that people in that area built this house, people in that area made this thing and they want that thing. I just can't relate to it and I'm just not connected to it. But have you had that or do you is this just a grant challenge and i'm just kind of that way all of it Mm. i I go through i've looked at houses and been like i don't like that house i wouldn't live in a house like that i think this is a poor investment just purely on the asset yeah like literally the house like it's a shitty floor plan no one would want to live in this yeah not not acknowledging it's really convenient for someone who lives in that area because it's close to a place of employment yeah or maybe uh in my case like i love open plan living I think open plan living is awesome. Turns out, though, if you've got loud teenage children, you don't like open plan living. Terrible. You want to segment them off because yep. you want to spend your evening in a room and you want them in a different room. So, or maybe, right? So, uh, inherently there. I bias towards houses with three bedrooms, completely not recognizing that, you know, hey, there's single parents out there that have one kid. They just need two. Have you. <laughs> To your point at the start, like it's obvious that we haven't really got over this. <laughs> have you just have you started to just be comfortable with accepting the places that are presented and you go, I just can't relate to this? Or how do you approach it? Like how do you think through it? Yeah, so one of the reasons I enjoy working with a buyer's agent so much is because I don't think I would buy anything if it was left up to me. <laughs> so terrible. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. um yeah. When I look at it is I could find reasons for and against practically every investment. And I'm a sucker for a good story. Like I really love a good story. You know, like yeah. <clears throat> I'll tell you one in more recent times about uh, in Bendigo, there's actually a lot of military employment, right? Which I say it's like, a, what do they call it? Like government employment yeah, yeah. for military purposes or whatever it is. So there's some like secret lab in Bendigo in Victoria where they like, or I want to believe, I don't know if this is true or not, they make like, you know, secret projects. Got like, you know, invisible cloaks, <laughs> night vision glasses. Kind of <laughs> yeah, I want to believe it's Australia's a- Area 51. They're making like unique things. Like that's what's happening. kicking around and ready to go. It's great. Yeah, so like I love that story. And I'm like, I want to buy a house in Bendigo. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be part of that. That's what, where the aliens are, I want to be there. Yeah, so when I started to recognize some of these things of like, oh, hang on, like if I get word of a story, like I'm inherently influenced, is like I needed to remove that from my plate. Totally. And then what really helped me also is like when uh, was was a time where like Wangaratta in Victoria was like the highest performing consistent suburb for numerous years, not the areas I was looking at. 
was like, I would never have picked that or known that. Completely not recognising how important farmland is, like how much employment there is in these areas. So for me was first thing was just awareness to how, one, little I know, two, how biased I am in these things and that really if I'm going to be a property investor, that's not a decision I want to make. I know others will potentially do that research, but I would much rather go with someone who's looking at these things all day, every day and using a real more methodical approach than I. So first thing I hit on. The second thing, with every property I buy, I don't just blindly buy. Like I go, I want the thesis. Yeah. Like I want to hear why you're buying this property, why this area, why this asset type. Like it's got to fit something that makes sense uh, for me. And again, and I think that's a really important thing. So when you start to connect some of that, it becomes important. And then the third thing is proof. So for me, is like once you've bought a couple of properties and you can see, well, particularly in this time, is like vacancies have been low. I haven't had those issues. My belief in the thing working has changed, which yeah. makes me completely cool with it. The, the fourth I'll add to that, that I still get challenged with is so it's very difficult for me mentally to look at a problem that I can't solve. And so you're completely right in the sense that my personal bias has suggested that I wouldn't buy most. There, there is a nice house in portfolio that I'm like definitely be happy to live there but on the other side now it's gone well Grant your personal bias is getting in your way but I actually don't know how to solve it like imagine that you're in an area that's got uh, government like a lot of government people right I've never been a government government story that's almost like the worst one (laughs) they're building a new infrastructure project I'm like buy all the houses now Yeah, but but to that point, like I've never been a government employee. I've never had a family. I don't I haven't had a family of one, two, three yeah, but, kids. But this is where what? we're biased. We believe a government project means safe. How do you Certainly. like a new train station? Ooh. Oh, new shopping centre with a train station going in. Hospital. Hospital, oh, Grant. Gosh. It's going to be doctors doing. in the area. No, but, but to that point. So then it's like, well, Grant, your personal bias is actually getting in your way. And then my brain goes, so what's the answer? And it's like, well, Grant, you're never going to know the answer. <laughs> Like you, you need to, to your point, you need to live in Bendigo, have two kids, work in the defense sector, and then you'll know. But unless you're like that, you're never going to know. And, and so it, it challenges me. Well, but to your point, like the people- Conversely, bringing this back to Bendigo, what if they have an accident and take the whole town out? Maybe they're working on something super <laughs> secret and it's actually a risk buying in Bendigo. Now, I, I actually don't know what they do in Medigo. I will preface this. That's wild speculation, but it was just a story that I expanded upon and thought was interesting. Australian Federal Police is like, picking us now. Go, what do you know? I never expected Bendigo to have that as an yeah. employment. It actually came up as like defence. It's on- outrageous. Anyway, um, but to that I expected point. a lot of farming, right, and things like that to be there. Totally. But uh, So to that point, like the – the challenge that I've had is just not being able to actually know. Like my, I'm like my personal bias is wrong, and I don't know what is right. And so the only thing that I know is, to your point, like is why I use buyers agents as well. Is only thing I know is to ask them why, and give me their hypothesis and their backed up data to suggest that they are correct. Can I throw another thing on this? Because I think this is important. Let's pretend there's an area, and pretend is there, and it's like, do you know what? It's got new um, buildings coming through, like new infrastructure. There's a new hospital. There's new schools. It's schools people want to go to. There's low vacancies. Right? It's got all the indicators that you would want to see on an area that would say, yeah, that's a great area. I can see why people were there. The secondary function to this is even if you like an area and it's got all of them, 
I mean, all of them, everything you could want. It's Bendigo, there's more hospitals, like all of it. Price. Yep. Even if a suburb has everything going for it that would tell you it's a good place to invest, if the price is too high, it's a bad investment. Mm-hmm. Where conversely, you might come across an area where it's like it maybe isn't have half the indicators of other areas. But if the price is really cheap, it may actually be a fantastic investment. And that's what we're in the game of. We're not in the game of trying to pick the best area to live in this example. We're in the game of making money from investments. And that's, again, what I had to really recalibrate on. I'm yep. not trying to buy the best home. I'm trying to actually do well from this portfolio. So that really helped me with a bit of a mental shift. That's, that's a great point. I love it. All right. Shall we wrap this one up from here? Let's do it. It's super fun. It's three powerful points. Oh my. And a little bit of a therapy session for us. <laughs> if you're listening to this and saying, guys, this is awesome. I want to know more. Head over to propertyandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter. Put in your name and email and we will let you know every single time we release one of these episodes. Just want to say thank you, Charlie. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Property and Investing.